Welcome once again to the Searching the Scriptures radio program. We appreciate you tuning into the broadcast this week. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it's always a privilege to have an open Bible before me and another opportunity to look into the Word of God with you. We trust and pray that you're getting some help from these lessons, and we're uh, hoping that you'll follow along with us. We'll call out the chapter and verse because we're pulling no punches. We want to be transparent. You need to know uh, what it is that we're saying, and you need to be able to look in the Word of God and see it for yourself. You see, uh, on this program, I am not the authority. My creed is not the authority. My denomination is not the authority. Uh, my dear grandmother is not the authority, and, and uh, my opinion is not the authority. Neither is it yours. We have an authority in the Christian life. It's called the Bible, the Word of God. And you have to check everybody uh, that comes claiming to speak in the name of Jesus Christ. Have you never read there how we're warned as a church that there's going to be many false prophets, many false teachers in the last days? And you say, well, preacher, how come, how do we know if you're telling us the truth? Well, you wouldn't know unless you were uh, industrious and responsible enough to get a Bible open and check me out for yourself. Check everybody out because only what I say that lines up with a thus saith the Lord matters. And that's the way it is with anybody who stands and claims to preach or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Now this week I'd ask you and call your attention to, uh, I'd ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 22 we're going to give our attention today to the last few verses of this chapter, beginning in verse 41. And our context here is Jesus Christ. He's been publicly preaching and teaching for several days. It's the Passover week on the week that he was betrayed and crucified. He spent his days early in the morning till late in the evening preaching and teaching to the common people in the temple and then sleeping outside in the Mount of Olives and coming into the temple early in the morning and large, large crowds had gathered to hear him. Of course, all of his earthly enemies and his greatest antagonists, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and lawyers and Sadducees, had also gathered around, and uh, they were envious of this great crowd and the great crowds that had followed our Lord Jesus Christ throughout his earthly ministry. You say, why did they follow him? Well, for many, many reasons, but one reason was he was a great preacher, the greatest. Uh, listen, I tell people all the time, wouldn't it have been wonderful to hear Jesus Christ preach the Bible? Here's a man who knew the Bible inside and out. He always had the right interpretation, always had the right message, always had the right spirit, always had the right text, and always had the right answer. Uh, it's the Son of God. He's the author of those scriptures. And here he is, God manifest in the flesh in the temple with large crowds listening to him. Boy, his enemies were so full of envy, uh, envious enough to murder him and jealous and envious of his success and of the great crowds that listened to him. So they're hanging around, and they begin to grill him with what they thought were hard questions. Most of the hard questions are just like the questions of today. They have, they're what we call loaded questions, and they're asked not because people want an answer, but because people are asking to try to entrap someone in a problem. They all, most often show up in these hypothetical situations and, of course, Jesus Christ fielded all of their questions and shut them down very handily. In fact, it only exalted him more because the, when the Bible says that the common people heard him gladly, it's in the context of them listening to him deal with his antagonists publicly here in the temple that week. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than watching someone that's got the truth shut someone down who's a smart aleck who doesn't have the truth. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He shut them down. But listen, after they had asked several questions, now the Lord takes 
advantage of the situation, and he begins to ask them a question. And it's just one question that shuts him down. And listen, he had the right to ask questions because here in Matthew 22, they had asked him four in a row, and they were all loaded questions. Well, now it's our Lord's turn. So let's see how our wonderful, lovely Lord Jesus Christ shuts his enemies down and silences their arguments and silences them with a question that they had never considered. So let's go to it. Matthew chapter 22, let's begin reading together in verse 41. The Bible says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. Now let's stop right there and just point a couple of things out that you need to understand. When Jesus Christ asked his questions of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were Bible-reading, Bible-memorizing people. They knew the Old Testament as well as anyone as far as it goes for the letter of the Old Testament. They knew it. I mean, verse by verse, they could quote the verses to you. I've known people like that that knew the Bible pretty well but had very little walk with the Lord. Uh, you'll go to quote a verse to them and they'll finish it for you. And yet they're living their life contrary to what the book says. Listen, that's wonderful to memorize the scripture, but uh, you got to allow that scripture to get down in your heart and then apply it. It's not enough to know the facts of the Bible. You have to apply those facts in your life for it to do you any good. And here Jesus Christ is asking some of the most notorious Bible-quoting people in the Bible, and that's the Pharisees. He asks them a simple question. He says, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Now, Christ, the word Christ, is not Jesus' last name. It is a title. Christ means Messiah. And that's what the Old Testament Israelites were looking forward to. As they studied the 39 books of their Old Testament, the Israelites knew if there was anything that they were aware of, they were aware of the promise of a coming one. They were aware that the fact was that God Almighty, their creator, was going to send a person the Christ. You say, what is, what's the word Christ mean? It means anointed one. Ultimately, it means Messiah. And that's why they were looking for someone. When Jesus Christ showed up, they'd been looking for hundreds of years for this promised one. For proof of this, you can check John chapter 1. There was a character in the Bible. We know him as John the Baptist. He came to the nation of Israel, and he was sent to prepare them for the coming Messiah. The Bible calls him and refers to him back there in Isaiah. He is, his ministry is prophesied of there in Isaiah 40 as being the forerunner of Christ and a voice crying in the wilderness. And so when John the Baptist shows up crying out about repentance and the coming Lamb of God, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 19, this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites. See, that's the religious class in Israel. They knew they were performing the Old Testament duties of priests and Levites. They were in charge of the, of the Scriptures. And they knew that there was a promised Messiah coming. And it says here that the priests and Levites from Jerusalem, they went out to ask John. Here's the question they ask him. Who art thou? Who are you? Who are you, John? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed what? I am not the Christ. And so they were looking for the Christ and when John the Baptist showed up a few months before Jesus came on the scene, they wanted to know, who art thou? And he says, don't worry, I'll not deny it. I am not. Uh, he confessed and he denied not. I am not the Christ. And later in that chapter, he would point people on to the Messiah. And in fact, so much so that uh, 
uh, Simon Peter's brother Andrew came and got him. Later in that chapter, it says, He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, Listen, I'm in John 1, verse 41. It says, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So the Christ was the Messiah that had been promised, and they were looking for him. Every Jew that knew his Bible knew that the Messiah, the Christ, was to come on the scene. John the Baptist was that voice crying in the wilderness to make straight his paths and to prepare a people for him. John did his ministry just like he'd been called to. And Jesus Christ showed up with all the signs that the Messiah would have. And he did everything that uh, they should have recognized. But they didn't like his personality and they especially, the religious crowd of his day, didn't like the fact that Jesus Christ peeled their self-righteous religious veneer right off of them. So he wasn't the kind of Christ or Messiah that they were hoping for and looking for. He didn't fit their uh, preconceived ideas, and therefore they rejected him out of hand. And so Jesus Christ brings up this Messiahship deal, and he says to them and asks them the question in verse 42, What think ye of Christ? Now look what he asks. Whose son is he? In other words, in the Jewish culture, grandsons were called sons. And he said, okay, whose son is he going to be? In other words, what lineage does the Messiah, what's he promised according to the Old Testament to have? Look what they, they answer. They say unto him, the son of David, and that's true. That is a, a, the right answer. He's setting them up. Whose son is he? Who's the, who is the Christ? What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? And they say he is the son of David, and that's exactly the truth. Now, verse 43. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. Now, Jesus Christ quotes them, Psalm 110, verse 1. He quotes that in verse 44. That is a psalm of David. He quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, here in verse uh, 44 of Matthew 22. And he, he puts them in a quandary. He puts them in a straight betwixt two. He said, I don't understand. How did he do that? Well, he asks them in verse 42, okay, what think you of Christ? Whose son is he? And they correctly answer, he is the son of David. When the Messiah shows up, he's the son of David. In other words, he comes through David's lineage. The Messiah was to sit on David's throne. And that throne was promised to one of David's descendants. So Jesus Christ turns the table and he goes, how then doth David in spirit? In other words, when David wrote Psalm 110, verse 1, he was being led by the Spirit of God. And he said this, The Lord said unto my Lord, that's capital L-O-R-D in verse 44. God said unto my Lord is what David says. Sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. Every Jew and every Bible believer today knows that the son of David, the Christ, will sit on the throne of David. He's David's son, and yet in this passage, David the king calls his own son Lord. Now stop with me and consider the implications of this. This is unheard of in a Jewish culture, and it's really unheard of today. Even in our culture, in a, in a Gentile culture over here in America, you say, well, what, what are you talking about? How does... How does David call his own son Lord? 
That'd be like me looking at, I've got a 14-year-old son. How would I ever look at him and, and call him my Lord when he's my son? No, the respect is supposed to be son to father. And the respect is to be shown from son to father. I'm his elder. I'm his dad. I have a certain authority in his life. And certainly in the Jewish culture, it would have been unheard of for a father to call his son Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. He says in verse 45, look, look with me with at it. Verse 45, if David then call him Lord, how is he his son? In other words, those Pharisees knew we know that the Christ is going to be the son of David. That's been prophesied. He says, okay, well, David prophesies about the Christ. He calls his son Lord. How is that possible? He hung him right there in verse 45. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? Now, they're in a quandary. They're in a straight betwixt two. They have an unsolvable dilemma unless, are you listening? This is the kicker. This unsolvable dilemma is solved simply and easily if this son of David is also the son of God, God manifest in the flesh. This has been the point of contention throughout Jesus' whole ministry. When they were been arguing, look at this crowd in John chapter 8. They accused Jesus Christ of being of fornication. In other words, everyone knew that before Joseph and Mary were officially married, Mary was with child. Now, we have seen this in lessons past. The angel came to Joseph, Jesus Christ's stepfather, and calmed his nerves and comforted him by saying, Listen, fear not to take Mary as thy wife. Why? Because the thing that is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. In other words, your wife has still not known a man. You will be, Joseph, the first man she knows and the only man she knows. But she is with child because of what we call the virgin birth. Because in that virgin's womb, a baby began to grow without, are you listening, without a man being involved. Now that's something. There's only one man that came to this world, into this world, that way, and that is none other than our lovely Lord Jesus Christ, who was the virgin-born Son of God. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Fear not to take thy wife, Mary, She's uh, Joseph. She has not cheated upon you. She's not cheated on you. She's not defrauded you, son. She is still pure as the driven snow. Fear not to take her as thy wife. And he did. Matthew chapter 1. And by the way, to my Roman Catholic friends who might be listening in, after Jesus Christ was born and she brought forth her firstborn, then Joseph and Mary had children uh, the old-fashioned way after that. He knew her not until. She wasn't a perpetual virgin like religion tells us today. No, she was a virgin and had the uh, virgin-born son of God, and after that she knew her husband like any woman would after she gets married. Now look here at John chapter 8. They're accusing him of being born of fornication. Look at verse 41. They're arguing. In verse 41 they said, uh, ye do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. And they, he says, he goes on to say, verse 47, He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. And they began to talk to him. 
And he said this, they, verse 51, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. That's what Jesus said. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now watch this. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. How did they respond to this? Do you know what he just told them? He said, I've always existed, and he equated himself with the great I am. That was the one that identified himself as the great I am back in Exodus 3 when the bush burned that wouldn't be consumed. And Moses says, now who do I tell the children of Israel sent me? He says, tell them that I am sent thee. So they knew what that was. They knew it was him claiming to be equal with God his Father. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, he existed long before he showed up in the flesh in the manger through the virgin's womb. Now, how did the Jews of his day and the religious leaders respond to this? Verse 59, then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself. Why were they going to uh, stone him? Because they thought that was blasphemy. They knew what he had just said. You'll find the same thing happening there in John chapter 10. Jesus answered them. He said, many good works. Verse 32 of John 10, have I showed you from my father? He asked them this question, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Listen to me. Religion always gets it backwards. The religious leaders of Jesus' day accused him of blasphemy. They said, you being a man, makest thyself God. No, boys, you got that backwards. He being God had made himself a man. The Bible says the word was made flesh. In the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God, quote, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh uh, and dwelt among us. This is a great mystery, the mystery of godliness. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Listen to me. Jesus Christ is God. He wasn't a man that made himself God. He was God that made himself a man. And that is the only way out of the unsolvable dilemma that Jesus Christ has just put these Pharisees in Matthew 22. Remember the question? He said, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they scripturally answered him and said, he is the son of David. And then he said, well, that's great. You're right. How is it then that David calls this son of his the Lord? Now, he says, if David then call him Lord, how is he his son? There's only one way. And that is if Jesus Christ was David's creator. And that's exactly what he was. He came through the virgin's womb and made himself a man and took upon himself sinful flesh that he might be tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. He came down and became one of us. 
But before he was a man, he was always God. That Bible tells us in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that the baby born in Bethlehem's manger was from old, quote, from everlasting. He's always existed. He just came down in time and invaded this world and manifested himself in this world in human flesh some 2,000 years ago. Therefore, he is the son of David because he came through Mary. And his stepfather Joseph was a son of David. Therefore, he has a, uh, as an heir, he has the right to the throne of David. And he is uh, reckoned in the lineage of David. And yet David could call this son of his Lord. Why? Because he was God who came down as a man. He said, that is an amazing thing. You know something? I can't comprehend it and neither can you. But thank God, God did not ask us to comprehend it. He simply showed it to us. And said, believe it. And brother, I do. Do you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Listen, he's my savior. And he was a man. But before he became a man, he was God. And he didn't give up his rights to divinity. And he didn't give up his Godhead, if you will, his, his uh, sonship to God. Just because he was manifest in the flesh. And so look what happens in verse 46. Faced with this awesome truth that Jesus Christ has just showed them. Here's their response. Verse 46, no man was able to answer him a word. The Pharisees couldn't answer him. Jesus had answered all of their hard questions. And now he answers them a legitimate scriptural question, not something hypothetical, but something very scriptural. And the Bible says no man was able to answer him a word. And look, it was so deflating to his enemies. It says in verse 46 that neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Yeah, they didn't ask any more questions because they had no answer for that glorious truth that he had just shown them. Let me ask you now to turn to Romans chapter 1. You see, my Savior is said to be in 1 John chapter 5 verse 20. He is said to be, Jesus Christ is said to be eternal life and quote, the true God. You know what some religions are built on? They're built on trying to deny Jesus Christ's deity. In other words, they will say Jesus was a good example. They'll say Jesus Christ was a servant of Jehovah God. And they'll say that he was a good man. But they come short of giving him his due credit. And they come short of saying who he actually was. And friend, this is crucial to your salvation, and to your proper understanding of the Bible. Jesus Christ, yes, he was a good example. The Lord Jesus Christ, yes, he was a servant. He said, I do always those things that please my Father. Yes, Jesus Christ was a great example. He was a great servant of Jehovah. And he was a man, but listen to me. All of those things are good to know about him. But what you must know in order to be born again is that Jesus Christ was more than an example. He was more than a good example and more than Jehovah's servant. He was, quote, God manifest in the flesh and the blood that flowed through Jesus Christ's veins, are you ready for this, was God's blood. And therefore, John the Apostle says, look it up, read it. First John 5, 5.20 says that this Savior of mankind was the true God. He was God manifest in the flesh. Remember there in John 14 when they said, Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And he looked and said, Philip, Jesus Christ speaking in John 14 verse 9. Look that one up too. He said, 
Have I been so long with you and thou knowest not? He says, he that has seen me hath seen the Father. Now, isn't that something? You know how comforting that is to born-again believers such as myself? You know why it's comforting? Because my Savior was not just a man like myself, but he was God in a man's body. And he never gave up being God at any time in his existence. He manifested himself as a man 2,000 years ago and died as us on that cross as our substitute and our sacrifice and then raised himself from the dead and ascended back to heaven and took his seat at the right hand of his father. Now look at Romans chapter 1, and we'll close here in our lesson today, but get this. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ. The gospel is concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now watch verse 3 carefully. Circle this in your Bible. I'm in Romans chapter 1, the opening of the great epistle of the book of Romans, inspired of God through the pen of the Apostle Paul. And it says here he's going to talk, he's a servant, and he's been separated under the gospel of God. Verse 3, this gospel is concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. There's one nature. Jesus Christ was made in the, his body was made in that virgin's womb. Back here in Luke chapter 1, you'll find that in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 as well. God Almighty prepared a body for himself in that womb. He inhabited a human body. He was made of the seed of David, so he's the son of David, according to the flesh. Verse 4 doesn't end there. Look at it. Verse 4, and declared to be the son of God with power. So he was not made the Son of God. He was declared to be the Son of God. He was made in the virgin's womb. That's his humanity. That's his flesh, his flesh birth. In Galatians chapter 4, we read these words. It says in Galatians chapter 4, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So he was made in that virgin's womb, his flesh was, his humanity. The body that he inhabited was made in that virgin's womb without the help of a man. It was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary and placed that baby on the inside. So he was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. But verse 4 says he was declared to be the Son of God. You see, he was never made the Son of God. He's always been God. He was declared to be the Son of God with power. How did he declare that? Who declared that? Well, it says, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. And that, my friends, is the great dividing factor between Jesus Christ and every religious leader that's ever poked his head up in humanity throughout the ages. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, and he declared it to be so that he was God because he got up from the dead three days after he was crucified publicly outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Hey, listen to me. Muhammad never did that. Joseph Smith never did that. The Pope can't do that. I can't do that. Buddha never did that. Listen, when people say, well, how do you know you're right and everybody else is wrong? My friend, listen, humanity enjoys light. We want to go on living. And God sent his son and he raised himself from the dead. He was declared to be the son of God 
He wasn't made to be the Son of God. He was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, but he was declared to be the Son of God, quote, by the resurrection from the dead. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. He is far different than any other religious leader you've ever heard of. Our Savior came, our God came down and did something for us. He died for our sins on the cross, and he suffered in his body on the tree and bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He was buried, and blessed be his wonderful name. He proved that he was God manifest in the flesh. How? Because he got up from the dead, and he was seen by over 500 witnesses at one time. There's four written accounts of his resurrection. My friend, you can't deny it. Jesus Christ is like none other. He is God Almighty, and thank God for that. Do you know him? Have you ever received this wonderful Son of God? To do so is to have eternal life and to know the true God, which is Jesus Christ. May God help you to understand these things and apply them in your life.